What's worse, getting punched in the face or being told your business isn't going to make it unless you come up with a million dollars by tomorrow? That's what I got to find out today in sitting down with Adam von Rothfelder. This is episode 196, and you're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. Now, Adam is the founder of Strong Coffee, some of the best coffee in the game, but he has a unique background as a pro MMA fighter, Versace model, and a two-time girl dad. Adam's journey has wild twists and turns from early life trauma to striking a global deal with Whole Foods in the middle of the pandemic. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to BetterHelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's BetterHelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. We leave no stone unturned in today's episode, and fair warning, this one isn't for the kiddos as there's a fair bit of strong language used throughout this interview. This was also recorded at our away game weekend in Austin, Texas, which we will have some live audience Q&A at the end of the episode that you will not want to miss. Before we dive into today's episode, take a minute to leave a review of the show wherever it is that you're listening into today. It helps us to continue to bring the best stories to you each week. Now let's kick things off with Adam. Three, two, one. Adam, man, welcome. Thank you very much. We are live in person at the Austin Away Games here, and I want to just say, like, how are you feeling today, first and foremost? Full experience so far? It's great. It's a great, great little spot. I mean, it's not little, but, it's, you know, it's beautiful. Pulled up, and I didn't really know exactly where to go, but... I made it. I saw good-looking people standing outside. I figured this must be it. Yeah, they told me a tattooed guy was wandering the property, <laughs> sending someone out. I guess you know I'm the security one or <laughs> what, what's Let's happening? Let's do this. But man, I wanted. I've been following your stuff and Strong Coffee for a while, so I was really looking forward to this conversation because I love finding out the backstory of one why coffee. Let's start there. Why coffee in, in the first place? I mean, it's delicious. Um, simple enough right yeah i mean there you know coffee started young for me i was uh i had a paper out i uh i always wanted to work it like gave me purpose like a certain sense of value that was you know handed to me by my dad where it's like if you work hard you'll make shit happen mm. so i got a paper out at 12 and <clears throat> it was before uh these two papers you know uh combined uh, I was delivering after school, right? Like a normal paper route. And then all of a sudden it shifted to delivering in the morning. It became, went from like the journal and the sentinel to becoming the journal sentinel. And it was like, they liked their papers delivered at 4.30, between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. Mm. So I kept my paper out and I gave my dad 20% of my paper out money to drive me around in the morning. And I quickly switched from drinking milk in the morning to wanting coffee, well, a, a cappuccino, because it tasted delicious <laughs> from the gas station. Because uh, I was like just dragging ass, and then, uh, you know, science and health and wellness and fitness like came at a very young age around the you know at the same time, based on some life changing stuff in my own family, with us adopting a paraplegic who had a lot of medical needs, and I kind of shifted quickly from being the baby of the family to kind of being like I don't want to say forgotten, but like mm. let's just put it like 
softly, right? And so I dove into like bodybuilding and wanted to be stronger. I had a dad who was physical and I wasn't going to let him push me around or <clears throat> anything as I got older. And he was also the sensitive guy that drove me around for a paper out. It was a very complicated relationship that we had. Uh, one of tough love. Mm. So, so bodybuilding and fitness was important to me and doing well in school was important to me and I hated taking pharmaceutical drugs. So I started actually uh, putting L-theanine in coffee by the age of 13 years old, which, you know, I'm 40. So, I mean, 27 years ago, yeah, I was putting L-theanine and amino acid inside of a cappuccino. And I got this through a bodybuilding magazine that increasing, you know, serotonin and dopamine with these essential amino acids and <clears throat> how that could interact with caffeine. And I'm like, coffee? And the idea is kind of... The idea kind of just progressed. I drank coffee all through high school. Like my teachers would let me in the teacher lounge to grab a cup at lunch. You know, it was like kind of like a thing because it was mm. either that or it was Adderall. And I hated pharmaceuticals because I felt like it killed my appetite and I wanted to be a bodybuilder. So I, you know, it was one or the other kind yeah. of thing. Kind of hard to eat your like 4,000 yeah. calories. Yeah. <laughs> your yeah. appetite's pressed, right? Yeah. And then strong coffee, you know, I mean, that's not what strong coffee was, but it came that at a point where I was like living in my, I was living in my, uh, I, I opened up a gym. I just got, I just retired from fighting professionally. And, you know, I, I balanced uh, being an electrician in the union, like going through an entire apprenticeship while building my career as a professional fighter. Mm. And all these other guys, they had like dead ass jobs that worked like 20 hours a week. I worked like 40 plus hours a week you know, digging trenches and wiring stadiums and then going and sparring for four hours, getting to bed by 11 p.m. and waking up and doing it again. So my coffee routine became like my morning thing. Like I could put all this nutrition in a cup of coffee, get to my job site on time, like drink the coffee. Because if you weren't 15 minutes early, you were late, right? Like that's like real blue collar shit. You know, a lot of these people like stroll in at like 11 o'clock. But if you notice what time I got here, it was at 1042 for an 11 o'clock podcast. Right, because if I wasn't 15 minutes early, I'd be late. Mm. So, <clears throat> over the evolution of like this drink, it had to keep meeting my demands. And as a professional fighter, I just kept on putting more shit in my coffee—MCTs, protein, all these different things. Because like I knew I wasn't going to be back in front of a meal and like for four hours, and I didn't want to have a meal before I went and get punched in the stomach in the face. Right, like, it was like this like balance. Does it make it feel any better if you have a meal in your stomach? No, no, it feels worse. <laughs> okay. I mean, you get hit in the stomach with food in your stomach, and you're you know, you want to fucking throw up, right? Like this just makes you want to dry heave if you don't, it's like liquid. So when you're, so that was one stage of my life. The next stage of my life is opening up a gym post my fighting career. And within one week of putting $30,000 into this space, I was told that we had to move out. And the neighbors upstairs in the building that lived there mm. were not happy so I was like, well, kick them out. I'll rent the place. I ended up, like, taking on a large amount of rent, you know, like, just to, like, keep my gym the way it was. But it kind of, like, fed into the story where now I'm making this coffee, walking downstairs, training my first client or this class. And that gym, in five months, I outgrow it. We move downstairs, take over, like, a, an area three times bigger. And But I'd come down and make this coffee for my clients. And over the course of years and 
my dad then being diagnosed with cancer, it kind of like found its way into a bag, mm. but never as a product that I would sell until 2018 when I decided to launch this product as something that I've been making all these mornings and um, like make it convenient and easy for people just to have what I had been doing and this like lifelong kind of process of making this drink and the wise focus, energy, time, mm. all like given to you in one cup of coffee, right? Because like everything that we do, like every consumer good requires time from you. Mm-hmm. So you have to like decide like, is it worth my time? Like a whoop, right? You're going to look at that for 10 minutes a day. Then you're going to do this and you're going to do this. Sauna, don't forget to cold plunge, 30 minutes, right? Like everything, if you start adding up all the things that you should do, you wouldn't have time to fucking work to support those things. So my thought process is like, all these people are buying collagen, mm. brewing coffee, doing all these things, and then they're putting them in their blender and then blending it, and then you clean your blender. What do you got, like 10, 15 minutes in? Mm. So it's like my thought process was like, oh, I could give them the energy they want with the time they need back to keep doing more shit. I love that. Yeah, just trying to become as efficient as possible. Almost born out of necessity is what I'm hearing. It's totally born out of necessity. Strong stands for striving to reach our natural greatness. Mm. Right? It's like something that we're all waking up, we're all trying to do, and I just believe that we're just going to need time and energy to get there. hundred percent. Like Seneca said, right? It's all about time. Yeah. It's not that we have a shortness of it. It's that we waste so much of it. How do you, it's funny. Last night we did a, a workshop on time and eliminating rushing and just being more intentional with how we're spending our time. And I'm hearing in your story there, something that really stood out to me was that point where you were like, all right, I'm going to be 15 minutes early or I'm late. Was there ever a moment where you had to learn that lesson? Could you pinpoint it? Because I can look at my own life. I'll never forget being in ninth grade, my carpool, and this is something I had to work on. I was blaming my carpool, not me. Uh, got us to swim practice 30 seconds late, and my coach looked at me and goes, sorry, there's no room for you today. I go, what do you mean? Like, practice started 30 seconds ago, dude. And he's like, there's just no room. And from that moment on, I was like, all right, I will never be late to practice ever again. And stuck with me. Was there a moment like that for you where you, you can pinpoint, or is it just instilled over time? Um, it, it definitely, I mean, I definitely believe that my dad was on my ass from mm. day one about time. He was like the guy that at five in the morning clicked on the lights in your bedroom. It was like, breakfast, hot now. Fuck. Okay. Like that, or you're just not getting breakfast. You know what I mean? You're going to like eat a toaster strudel, but Mm. that was never in my mindset of what breakfast was. You know, I was a kind of a weird kid. I was the one that would like try to like sell my candy to my parents for money and be like, well, then I won't eat it. No, you know, smart, smart. You've always (laughs) been a businessman up here in many ways. I I wanted nice shit when I was young and I, my mom and dad told me that they didn't have that, you know, that much money. So I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll have to figure this out young. You know, at 12 years old, I was buying, like, fresh Adidas and stuff because I was making $800 a month as a paper out. That's incredible. It, it, it also amazes me that at 12 years old, you have the level of awareness to really start to look at what you're putting into your body and it as fuel. Yeah. It helped that my family was all overweight. Okay. And just kind of observationally learning, like, well, if you're drinking soda and you're eating pie and bread and this like you're going to be this and i'm the younger one but all the older ones are fat right like okay like i gotta you know and i was very fortunate i had uh 
by the age of like 14, it was like a super revelation. I got mono. Mm. And my cousin, who I really looked up to, came up from Florida, and he happened to be in town. And my mom asked him if he would watch me for a couple of days because they had to, like, you know, work. He was like, yeah, totally. And he was a bodybuilder. And he was like, what the fuck is all this food in your house? He's like, boxes? He's like, men don't eat shit out of boxes. You know, and he was just like, this is what you eat. He writes it down on a sheet of paper, and I'm like, got it. You know, and that was gospel until I was probably 20 years old. I was probably doing the same workout program that he wrote down what to eat for, you know, even though I had like I had all this other information in my head. It was like, no, my cousin Tony told me to do this shit. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So, um, yeah. So I I had a, you know, for as much like stuff that was, you know, kind of weird in my life, the physical stuff, you know, my brother with drugs, uh, all these things in many ways they gave me the awareness of like the importance of life and time Mm. and, and like the exclamation mark of health, you know, at the end of that. Absolutely. Now has that definition or values changed for you being post-sport strong coffee is doing really well. You have a family. Uh, What are those values and priorities looking like for you right now in this chapter of your life? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I I wake up uh, every day and I, you know, think about how I'm going to win, right? Like, it isn't different. You know, it's, it's, it's really not. I mean, an athlete after, a, after their career without purpose is lost, yes, right? Like, that's easy. But if you have a mission and you have a purpose, then everything is a field for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like everything is a ring. I, I was on uh, another podcast and I told him, like, I'm like, I see everything as a fight, not as violence. You know, forget mm-hmm. that context. Like when you are a fighter, you don't see violence in fighting. You see gameplay. You see chess. You know, you see moves. You know, you see jab, jab, hooks. Right. Like. Like people are just like. My very friends in sparring, you'd have to beat the shit out of one day. Mm. You know, it's not you're my you're not my opponent. It's not that I dislike you. It's that I must beat you, so that I can be better, right? And that's whether I'm trying to get money from a VC to try to like outmaneuver them, you know, and what it is that they want, or the manufacturer and like trying to get the underlying effect, you know, understanding of what they want. It's just a constant, you know, fight. So I don't really see it as different. Like I wake up at five in the morning, four thirty in the morning every day. I drink my coffee. I get my training in just like I did when I was, you know, an athlete. Yeah. And then I beat the shit out of my keyboard for seven hours a day. And I eat clean in between. And, you know, at least three days of the week, I pick my kids up from school or I drop them off. You know, it's like I'm, I, I try to be the best parent I can be while managing my own expectations in business. And sometimes my personal health has suffered. Mm. But... As an athlete, I think that's something we're almost used to, right? Like, you're per- like, believe me, being athletic and being at the top of your game doesn't mean you're always healthy. Quick one for you. As someone who's moved around seven times in the last five years, I know how hard it is to find new experiences and, more importantly, friends each place that life continues to take me. That's why we've created the Forever Athlete Social Club, a membership platform with curated experiences that help you grow closer to yourself and those around you. As a member of the social club, you'll receive a weekly experience to go and try in your community, as well as meet up events and opportunities to introduce you to like-minded individuals. 
Now, this isn't your cheesy alumni group filled with awkward conversation and overwhelming self-promotion from that one dude from high school that's just trying to help you get passive income in your life. No, the social club is a vetted, safe space for you to be your authentic self and grow with a like-minded community all over the world. Come join the free platform over at foreverathletesocialclub.com and start making teammates for life today. Oh, 100%. I think, like, they say, like, 70% of all fighters are 60% hurt all the time. You know, like, it's like a joke. Like, they're never okay, right? So it's like I've never been okay because of where I come from. So my, bo- my baseline and foundation of that is, like, very different. Mm. I'm not seeking comfort. Yeah. I love that. I love it. What's been the biggest challenge so far in the strong coffee journey for you? Because it's now been four plus years, right? Since yeah. its inception. <clears throat> What's been the biggest fight so far there on that front or in that ring? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, COVID hit hard. You know, it was wild. Um, a lot of people, like, they, they see it from, like, the front, mm. right? Like, you were working for someone or you know, whoever, wherever you worked or whoever you worked for, like how to like shut down or maybe like your business slowed down or like whatever it is. But there were like things where like during COVID that we became more of a necessity mm. and we couldn't hire, we couldn't raise money, right? Like all these things were going on and the, I was, I was told you know, I, I was working on this Whole Foods deal. And has anybody seen the movie Legally Blonde? Right? She didn't apply for any other school, right? It was just Harvard. Right? That was me. Just just Whole Foods. Like, I'm going to make a statement by getting a global launch, all or nothing. Mm. And I got it. And during COVID, there was, uh, like, during the pandemic, there was a, uh, uh, a massive, like, crop issue with green coffee beans in South America that they lost like almost like a quarter of the world's coffee crop for like that season. Mm. And a lot of people don't know that, but like coffee just was like, right. We can't increase our prices and and affect the consumer. The consumer is already having a hard time with finances. And I'm being told that period, I'm not going to get coffee for seven to eight months and we need to do this shit in like four weeks. And, uh, I mean, between that and nobody believing in the business enough to give us the money we needed to fill the POs for Whole Foods because mm. Whole Foods was not organized enough to get us the POs in the time that they needed because of all these different things that were changing within Whole Foods, right? There's a lot going on. And I'm like looking at X in the account. We're about to sign a $1.2 million PO, but we don't have any money. We're about to be out of money and I can't find any fucking coffee and I literally started losing hair on my face from alopecia areata. And mm. I was just like, you know, see these white spots? I have a little one on my head right here too. It was me up for like 15 hours a day learning how to navigate shipping container fields mm. and find coffee and find a half a million dollars in a week and a half and do all that. Like, otherwise you were going to be laying off three employees you know, two employees, one's with kids, one yourself, you know, like, how are you going to make X money to support your wife and kids? You know, like all these things. And it's like recognizing that I am not the business was like that. Mm. That was like, 
at that moment, I had to decide, like, I am not strong coffee, right? Because I found myself getting sucked into it just like as an athlete gets sucked into the idea of being an athlete. Like, I'm a football player. No, you're not. You're a fucking human wearing pads and beating the shit out of each other like pugilist sticks, right, over a scoreboard, right? Like, that's what you are. So you're a person playing this sport. I'm not strong coffee, so my personal health was, like, connected to the success of strong coffee. Mm. So navigating those kinds of, like, flows through a time where, you know, it almost seemed, like, unmanageable to then turn a $700,000 year into a $3 million year this year. It's like, trust me, like, the, the stress was real, but then, like, you see, like, yeah. the outcome, and you're like, you went from 700000 in revenue in 2021 to $3 million in revenue in 2022. You know? It's a pretty good turnaround. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, easy, I wish but... that I had the hair on my face, you know, normal <laughs> color, but whatever. Um, you know, but I think, like, it's, like, disconnecting from, like, your, from, like, what it is that you do when you are so passionate about. So I think it's like, that was the hardest thing mm. is like going through all that and kind of learning that like, I'm not strong coffee. Like, and the skills I have, I could do anything with it. So it's like the success or failure does not determine my own ability of success or failure. Mm. That's huge, man. I think what I'm curious about is as this success continues to grow and it already has, how are you, are like proactively detaching yourself from the brand because it's tough as like the numbers increase, whether it be revenue, people that are following along. How do you make sure that you are separating yourself and be like, okay, I know who Adam is outside of this. What does that look like for you right now? Yeah. I mean, one of the first things that I did is I actually, I moved an hour out of the city. Okay. Yeah. So I live in Wimberley. I enjoy just connecting. I don't want to be around people that I'm around unless I want to be around them. Right. I don't know how that sounds coming out, but like, sounds perfect. Thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, if it would have been like too much time, I would have turned it down, mm. you know, two hours. Though. Like I, I'm an introvert who battles with the ever dying need of the small extrovert inside me mm. that wants recognition and value to be seen. So it's like, it's hard to kind of have that battle. So I, I live an hour away. Um, I come into Austin, you know, two days a week. I work out with my homies, talk a little shop, get back in front of a computer. I, um, I, I focus on what it is that I love within mm -hmm. Strong Coffee for the first time. Um, I am not a ones and zeros kind of person, right? I never watched the tape. Didn't matter. Like, a, like, whatever a fighter did in previous fights, it didn't matter to me, mm. right? I was never that guy. I was just going to go in, and I was going to feel it, and I was going to do my best. And with a 13-2 and two record, it worked pretty well for me. And thus far, Strong Coffee, it's worked pretty well for me too, right? Because every single investor I've ever had has tried to tell me, you need a CFO, you need this, you need that. Do I really? I mean, did I really? I didn't, but now I do. Right. Like mm. what got me there won't get me won't got what got me here won't get me there. I do understand that. But everybody tries to tell you what you need to do in the beginning. What I need to do is to understand the business. I didn't go to college and have some fancy degree in business or have some nepotism where I got to work for my uncle on the, you know, on the summers or like whatever. Like, you know, a lot of people coming out of school and the CPG industry kind of have this 
like yeah. little little bit of you know extra and i didn't have that so it's just like i had to touch everything now where strong coffee has grown it's important to understand that i don't have an ego with it mm-hmm. i don't give a shit how it succeeds that it succeeds in a morally proper way obviously yeah. but like i don't care that somebody else can pick up the ball and run it just as fast as me or maybe faster right so i'm actually right now in the process of you know signing an uh with a private equity company and selling 51% of the company so that they can take over operations and logistics and build us to a 50 million dollar a year company within the next 2 to 3 years that's right? incredible man and i just get to do creative yeah. and branding which is like what i love to do like the people I, that inspire me are people like you know like rest in peace like virgil abloh and mm. You know, different different designers, Shepard Fairey and you know Banksy, like where it's like my art, my 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 heart has always been in the art, mm. right? It's always been in like the art of the the product tasting good, or like the art of like the product looking good, or the branding, the the packaging, you know, feeling a certain way, like those things. Like if you look at our packaging, we have these like um, so this is like homage to like my dad who is in the packaging industry. Uh, but like these dye lines, like on the bag for me were like a thing of like simplicity and like beauty that I thought existed in like product and manufacturing that like people like Virgil Abloh, you know, talk about. And the first time they ran these bags, they were like, Oh my God, we don't know how this happened, but the dye lines are on the bags and the color codes. And I'm like, no, we meant for those to be on there. Right, and they just couldn't understand it as a manufacturer, like why we would want dye lines on our finished packaging. Mm. But it's always just been about, you know, being in that space. So now I'll be able to just be like, no more ones and zeros. Let me just get in front of the community. Let me do these podcasts. Let me get in front of, like I used to speak on national stages like all the time. I haven't done it in four and a half years. Yeah. Right? So it's like I haven't been on a vacation in four and a half years. Hopefully, you know, 51% of the company gets sold. <laughs> you, you take some time. Yeah. There, oh, yeah. Know, I mean, I, yeah, man, I'm, yeah, that's 100% happening. <laughs> I love that. You, we had mentioned, or we were chatting before hit and record this kind of differences in just cultural norms across the world. And you had meant, you brought up Giannis and Greek culture being very prideful. Yeah. Um, and then in our society and all our culture, um, not totally sure with your upbringing but you mentioned christianity being like okay opposite of that let's be very humble head down like do your do your work type deal Um, and i heard a little bit of as you were talking there this balance between knowing that you need to be extroverted a little bit here right but at your heart at your core you want to live an hour away you want to be introverted you want to have your space how are you balancing that because i'm very much the same way where it's like showing up online showing up in front of people quite frankly, is scary. And I, I've learned to do it scared. Um, but at my core, it's like I still need time to recharge. I'd be curious to hear how you've had that journey and what you've found has worked for you, what hasn't worked for you more because I'm I'm just dying to know to try some things out on my, my own here. Yeah. I've always had like this unrealistic expectation. You know, I, I think like uh, – within social media that like part of me is just kind of like let it go and just like any expectation at all. Mm. Right. Uh, I mean, I was a two time Versace model, like me and Gigi Hadid, like made out on camera. Right. Like I've walked Mark Jacobs runway show. I've made out with Rose McGowan on, 
you know, a stage at Amphar, which is like this AIDS, massive AIDS, like research runway show in New York at the congressional, li- like the library and Mayor Giuliani's there. It's like I've had all these like cameras and eyes on me. Mm. But if I pick up this fucking phone and I try to say something smart, I always feel like I look stupid. Right. It's like it, because it's like, am, am I real? Is like what I'm saying matter? Is this like, you know, it's like imposter syndrome, right? It's like you feel like you're faking it to like create something authentic, right? And I think the reality of it is, is like if it's not authentic and it doesn't feel right, just don't fucking do it, right? Because like none of this shit actually matters. Mm. Like what matters, like I, I, Strong Coffee has not succeeded because of like our social media platform, right? We're not paying people to like talk positively about our shit. I have met people and I have shaken their hands and they're like, that Adam works hard as fuck. And anything he touches, he is going to fucking push across the line. And whatever he's doing, I want to get involved with it. Plus, it just tastes really good. And then they go and talk about us on Joe Rogan. Right? Like, that's just called building relationships. Right? So it's like, at the same time, we have to build a relationship with ourselves. Mm. We have to be confident in the ability to just say something. And who gives a fuck if you think you look stupid? Like, I think I look stupid. My wife thinks I look hot. You know, like, she's not stupid. So, like... <laughs> One of us must be stupid. It's probably you, right? It's probably me. Like, thinking that we look stupid. Because every time I poo-poo, like, some thought, I get a podcast of people that want to listen to what I have to say. I'm like, okay. Like, I'm not an imposter. What mm. I have to say does matter. And even if it only affects five people, it's like, that's better than anything. You know, I, I ultimately, it's, you know, you can say, like, there's this, like, thought process that, like, only, like, a fool opens his mouth when he has nothing to say. Right. And it's like, well, if you think you're being foolish by saying something, then don't say anything at that time. Mm. You know, find your space, find your niche. Like I. I'll go weeks without talking on social media. And as far as like my own self, like expectations and barrier of entry, Mm. like you don't respond to me within a certain amount of time for us to meet up. The opportunity is gone. I do not then feel compelled to then, you know, satisfy that socially because you do respond and say, oh, I can make it. And you're like, uh, and then you feel like you have to do it. No, I'm good. Like, hey, man, I didn't hear from you. I live an hour away. You know, it's like a nice little buffer. And that helps with discerning what's worth your time coming into town. Totally. So I I have this thing uh, that it's called earn the day. I have it tattooed on my finger. It's missing because I've earned the day. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally worn off. Um, I've thought about getting touched up, but then I'm like, well, it defeats the purpose. Um, so earn the day though, to me is, uh, like this thought process of like where we spend time and like our energy. And I've been wanting to like lock myself into a room and write a book Mm. about it and the management of time. And it actually all came from a space when I launched my first business. So I moved back to Milwaukee and uh, after my fighting career, and I surprised my parents. They had no idea I was going to show up. They hadn't seen me in like eight months. And I drove straight through, and I got in, had breakfast with them, like went and passed out for a couple hours, asked my dad to like drive me downtown because I didn't want to drive. And uh, I went and applied for at a couple of jobs as a bouncer. A couple weeks later, I meet who's now my wife, And within like six months of working on this street, I got an investor and I was engaged 
to my wife within like six months. And we were married and I opened a gym in the month seven. And now here we are 12 years later, married with two kids. And when I opened up that gym, you know, the, it was like, I was all in, right? It was business, family, like time to build. And I realized that so many people just were like fucking vampires on your time. Like they just, like when you have a service that they don't, that they want, but don't value, they'll just try to suck you dry of it. Like asking me nutritional questions is like you doing my fucking taxes for me. Are you going to do that for free while we're sitting at the bar? No, I didn't think so. So please stop asking me nutritional questions. Do not ask me what workout to do. Like, am I asking you Mm -hmm. to fucking do triage on my dog because you're a vet? Like, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's just like this, like acceptance of like, there are certain things that are just totally socially acceptable. Yet, like the value exists. Like somebody's not just going to like, we have people that'll be like, can you send me free samples of this? Does this product look free? Do you walk into Starbucks and do they give you free lattes when you just ask for a free 12 ounce latte? I'd love to try that 12-ounce vanilla latte. Can I have, I've never had one. They're not going to give you a fucking 12-ounce vanilla latte. They're like, yeah, $5.69. You know, so when I, when I think about, like, the value mm. that, like, I personally, like, have placed on, you know, my life and, like, how I want it to be, I think it's important that, like, we all do the same and we acknowledge, like, what we have, right? And I know that what I have and I have to, like, protect it and open it up to the right people and uh, effectively like keep building. It's a tough lesson to learn, but yeah, yeah I was having this talk with, um, I think it was Dom on our run walk this morning of it's so hard for some reason to get those closest to you, especially early on in business to like convert over to actually seeing the value and putting dollars towards like your time and energy I forgot my, I forgot the main point of like the, the quick point of it. And in a sense, yes, totally. So this, this was like a tool that I used to do it. And this is like kind of what sparked the whole earn the day thing is I, the first thing I ever did when I had my first member join, uh, I realized I didn't have a clock in the gym and that holding my cell phone was really unprofessional because it'd be really easy to text message people. So I went down to this uh, sneaker shop that had cool Casio G-Shock watches and I spent $150 on a G-Shock watch and I, didn't take that watch off for two and a half years. Mm. It was like, like the most, like I had more pride in this watch than almost anything else I owned. This like $150 watch. And I had this personal attachment to it because I started timing everything for like, I would say months. I literally timed everything I did. I'd get in a personal conversation. I didn't just beep. You know, they'd like look down at my watch. They'd notice that I literally just started timing them when they would talk. You know, like some people didn't notice because like I started getting a little slicker at it. But I was timing everything. Showers. Conversations. Like literally everything. You know, I think there may have been times that I timed sex. Where it was just like in my head, I wanted to know where my time was going. Right? Because I became like in, just like completely enamored with the idea of wasting time. Mm. If you've ever read Seneca and the shortness of time, it's like, it's like the same problems that existed then exist today. It's like we all like complain about how short time is, but it's just that we're wasting so much of it. But until you understand where you're wasting it, how do you like fix it, right? It's like if I asked you how much money you have in your bank account, you would probably know within like $100. But if I asked you how long have we been talking right now without looking at anything, you couldn't be within seconds, right? You couldn't be within 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 100 seconds. You'd be off, 
right? So it's like our own acknowledgement of time, this like greatest commodity is constantly, you know, slipping through our fingers. Mm. So it's like when you're sitting there and you're having this, what you think is a great helpful conversation, you're missing out on the ability to do something you truly want. So it's like we then make up this like psychological shortcoming with the idea of like saying things, oh, I'll make time for that. Like you have a fucking invention like that you can make time like th- nobody can make time you can take time from the things that don't matter to make time for things that do and that's like where it's like oh like this doesn't matter because this is actually how i make money i can't help you in this like scenario like i have to do my time here mm. so that's what i was trying to say when i was rambling i like that yeah i'm gonna concisely communicate that next time I yes. appreciate it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me um you know, Rob Deerdeck and have you ever heard him talk about how he has like his, his Excel sheet of all his time and he can categorize it at the end of every like week, every month he goes back and he looks, okay, cool. Like 30% of my time was towards X. <laughs> and like, as he's, you know, obviously grown and gotten bigger and businesses done well and different stages of life he's like, all right, I want to make sure that at least 33% of my time is going towards family or whatever that may be. Where do you find majority of your time outside of work going right now in your life? Outside of work, definitely my family. Yeah, I mean, that's like... Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I love my friends. I communicate with them in ways, you know, calling them up. I have an hour phone. I have an hour drive. I call. I talk to my friends, you know, for long periods of time. I keep great relationships. But, like, effectively, they know how busy I am. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of wild, like you know when you've gotten to a certain place when your friends call your wife to schedule like hangouts that's like when you're like oh i think i'm i think i'm getting there i think i'm making it you know like <laughs> my friends have to call my wife to hang out with me um you know cuz they're like yeah, he's always so busy i just don't want to interrupt him but i really want to come visit this weekend you think you'd be and then she'll be like what are you doing this weekend i'll be like nothing she'll be like Cool, because this person's coming in. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, it's just, <laughs> I haven't talked to them in three months. Awesome. You know, because they also probably own a business. You know I mean? We're all yeah. kind of, you, yeah. you are the six people you spend the most time with. You ever hear that? Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, it's like, there does come a time, unfortunately, that you have to choose the people that you're around with. And, you know, not to sound in a certain way, but like some people just don't make the cut eventually. That's more than okay. I yeah. feel like that's, 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 if you were an athlete, you'd be okay with it. Yeah. I mean, we've all been cut at some point, right? In, in our life. Maybe no. you're like, no, <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> Same. <laughs> there we go. That's <laughs> no, funny. I, for context, I grew up swimming. So your obsession with time, I was like, dude, I get it, man. I would spend nine months out of my year trying to take point one point oh one off of i swam the mile i swam distance so yeah. now I, yeah, it's that, wild that is i've always endorsed time-based sport because mm. i'm like no matter where you are in the world if you are the fastest subject you are the yeah. best like there is, this isn't a baseball game where you maybe had a pitcher that softballed you a fucking pitch every time you were up to bat and you're just crushing home runs right it's like no you ran the hundred in 10 seconds like you could be a podunk town kid like thinking like i'm never gonna make it out of here but if you're fast as shit at something that is timed swimming you could go anywhere you want you know and that's like i think it's so cool like time sports it's so much less subjective 
Same with like wrestling. It's less subjective. You pin somebody, you pin somebody, but that may just be a shitty wrestler. But eventually it's like time wins. Yeah. The clock doesn't lie, man. No, it doesn't it's, lie. It's my favorite part about it. You yeah. know, um, Adam this has been really, really insightful and just a pleasure talking with you. I got one more question before we open up to these guys here. Uh, one of the things that came to mind that I wanted to ask as we were chatting beforehand was this concept around pride. What are you most proud of right now in your, your life? My two girls. Mm. Yeah, they're uh, like awesome, better versions of me and my wife. You know, they're just so sweet. And like they're, I'm like, I'm, we're both very protective, uh, me and my wife, like by nature. And it's great to like see my kids like step up and protect other kids mm. and like do that kind of stuff uh, like at playgrounds and be like the kids that, you know, will be like, hey, that's not all right. You know, and I'm like, hell yeah, like, because that's me. I'm like the dad at the playground when, like, a bunch of kids are acting a certain way and nobody's willing to do anything about it. I'm the one coming, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, stop. You know, it's like I'm not going to allow people to suck, like, mm. around me. Like, if I have my choice, I, you know, so I, my pride, you know, my kids, I mean, of course, I'm proud of strong coffee, but, you know, it's, it's an idea, you yeah. know. It's like I got a billion of those. I have two awesome kids. You know, so it's uh, it's easy to lose sight of it sometimes when things move fast. But I I hate traveling without them and I try to do whatever I can to, like, get them involved. They they love serving coffee like they they lived with. They, we traveled and lived out of a van for a month. Me and my wife, and my two kids throughout Colorado, all of June. And they served coffee. They like handed out samples to Whole Foods employees. They like they love it. I say samples. You yeah, said yeah. no samples. Well, okay. two employees. Two employees. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you trying to woo them getting yeah, the, get yeah, the exactly, deal? I got right. you. I got First you. taste is free with those kinds of people. <laughs> I get it. You, you got to win, win them, them over, over, right? Yeah. <laughs> See? It's a family. Exactly. It's a family thing. You can't show up to like family dinner without like, you know, something the, the to pick, provide. The pickle tray or some shit. You got to bring something. You got to add value. Find ways to add value. Yeah. You're good to go. Yes. Um, like I said, man, this has been a pleasure. I'm going to turn the mic over to audience. Who's got any questions? Are you going to switch places with me? So you're going to come on up now. <laughs> Perfect. A little gap in time. Feel free to drink my coffee. <laughs> Adam, I just want to say I uh, appreciate you coming out and spending time with us here today. Of course. Insight on uh, you know everything you've been able to accomplish and you know for us being – years younger than you on our own pursuits, uh, giving that advice. You're calling me old? <laughs> just a little bit older. Just a little bit older. Um, I, I want to refer the um, the book, um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I don't know if you're familiar, but it talks a lot about like beating resistance every day. And so like if you're an author, if you're an athlete, if you're a musician, like you're if you're an entrepreneur, you're always going to feel some sort of resistance to, you know, do the work, but like just showing up and getting that done each day. So, I know you said you like to be someone who touches everything. Like you didn't need a CFO at that time, but like now you do. But like at that time, you needed to do a little bit of everything. While doing everything, what was maybe the one thing that you can continually found resistance in that you like felt resistance to do, but like you pushed through and did it? And how did you beat that resistance? Yeah, um, I mean, really like, balancing P&Ls and focusing on the business um, like by the numbers versus like the heartbeat 
came when I had to raise money and I had to dive into the business because like they're asking you these questions and you once you once you dive into those numbers you either find out if your intuition was right or wrong right so you're like oh what I do does better and every time I do these things it does better I think right because like the revenue goes up so you're that's like what you think right so sometimes you find out it's not what you're doing and actually like you're costing your company money and your CAC cost of acquisition, all these things are like flip flopping and you're fucked. I was secured by the thoughts that every intuitive thought I had never looking at the numbers of the company was doing the right thing. So knowing and feeling coming together is like peace of mind. So having peace of mind is like the support system to like that comfort of being like, oh shit, no, what I am doing is right. So that enforced it. So if it wasn't like for the need to raise capital, I wouldn't have known what my cost of acquisition for a customer was. Because I was like, eh, whatever. Like that's not determining our business's quality. Like it's our brand, it's our product, you know. And that's what like creators say. And that's why most creators fail because they eventually don't look at the data like they don't want to like you can that's why i say like ideas are cheap it's like implementation is you know like everything like the arrow is nothing without the bow (laughs) right yeah gotcha cool appreciate it yeah hopefully that answers it absolutely okay cool anybody else no all right are you yeah come on up Um, so you briefly brought up the thing with the Whole Foods and everything going on. What, en- what ended up happening with that? Like it sounded like you kind of ended the story, but it sounded like it was you couldn't get coffee. You had four weeks to get it to them. They were all over. What so, ended up happening? Yeah, so we are sitting at the CrossFit Games, and we have a massive booth. and It's like 80,000 people, 60,000, somewhere around there, right at the Games, and we're just slammed. And every once in a while, my phone would buzz in my pocket and I'd have to like jump onto a phone call. And I, in two days with like three days left to spare, I raised a half a million dollars at the games because I gave my friend this speech that was like very Jerry Maguire-ish. And I was like, look, man, I was like, this is a fucking party. And I'm like, and if somebody doesn't get on this dance floor and start shaking their ass, I'm like, this party is going to be over. And it's like, and I'm like, so you need to put $50,000 in right now. Like, I don't give a fuck if you have it or you don't have it. Just put it in. Like, these guys have money, right? It's just like, just put it in. And I promise you, I will raise the other $450,000. So (laughs) the last person I brought in was Reed Bergman, who's the VP of VaynerMedia. And... I'm literally talking to Ray Lewis, the football player who's putting me in touch with Reed Bergman. He's like, let me call Reed right now. And I used to train Ray. So I, you know, I, I hit him up and my phone is always about to die. Like that's how you know you're a busy person. Your phone's always about to, and it's also how you know you're slightly disorganized. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's me. Um, and I am, I'm like walking with my, my, you know, VP and I'm like, a strong coffee, my one other employee, right? My VP. And uh, I'm like, 
find some fucking power, you know? And I'm like, he's jumping over fences, looking in people's yards for an outlet. And I literally go and sit in the bush and take this phone call. And I close the last $50,000. I'm like, I'm like plugged in. This person comes out from the patio and sees me in their bush. I'm like, you know, and I'm like, shit, I'm just like finishing this conversation. And, uh, and they're like, what are you doing? I get off the phone. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just need your power. You know, I was like, I got a business call. And it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but I did it. You know, I found the coffee. Um, Whole Foods, we launched. We were a month late for the launch. Uh, but we still did it. And we're in 500 plus stores, you know, globally. Um, you know, which contributed a massive uh, amount of revenue to our growth. But actually, most of our growth was done online, which was awesome as it was like truly like our effort and just kind of pushing through. Being strong is like for me defined by the idea of not how much you can lift up, but those like that you can lift up around you. And like whenever I look at like the idea of failure, I look at like the people around me and I'm like, I won't fail for myself and I won't fail for them. Very cool. Yeah. Hello, thank you for being here. Yeah. Um, at some point, you mentioned about ego. I'm very, very passionate about ego. A couple of weeks ago, I went to see a friend in Halifax, and he has this huge painting on his wall. It says, Ego Kills, and it has an axe in the middle. I've been fascinated about it for the longest time. I always thought ego was the worst thing in the planet. And uh, I'm always fascinated to try to understand how people became self-aware about ego. Some people did psychedelic experience and experienced ego death. Some people were really damaged by someone that had a very, very high ego. And since then, they were like, I don't want to have ego. Or they had something they really love or they really care about and start working with them. And they decided they didn't want to like, have ego in their life. What was in your life that made you think like ego is something that I really don't want to have? And I really want to run my business and my life without any of that being part of it. Then you'll die. You need an ego. Don't like don't be mistaken from like the gurus that say death or kill it. You need one. You just have to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I had this uh this employer uh and he said don't be don't live life in fear, live life aware. Right? Like don't be afraid of your ego or don't try to kill it or dethrone it, but like be aware of it and how it makes you react to situations because the times that it's not where, where, you know, I mean, it's essential. Like, it makes you survive. If I'm going to, like, what I will say, though, is that an ego, like, it's okay to be wrong, right? Like, that doesn't, being wrong is, like, something you have to accept or maybe not having the right answer and, like, oh, it's like, oh, that hurts your ego. It's like, ah, that's just, like, a lack of, that's more of like a lack of conviction, right? Where it's, for me, you can have an opinion and it can not agree with somebody else's opinion and they could be like, oh, you're just so egotistical or about this. And it's like, well, cool, like, just kill it. You know, for me, I don't get in those conversations with people often. I just walk away from something like that because it's, I'm not going to change their mind per se. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I may win an argument, Right. But that's just so like, what's the point? Of what it? the fuck's the point of that? Yeah. Right. 
So I love the song uh, by Sturgill Simpson, um, uh, the ego song. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, when he's like, I killed my ego, right? And that's like the first song that he said. It's like the first lyrics. He says, today I killed my ego. You know, that never done me good, no, anyhow. Um, and, but like when I listen to it, I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily it, right? So I think that like dealing with my ego has been knowing what I like, what I think is right. Somebody else could find the same solution in a different manner. And I have to be okay with that. And being a boss, being a CEO, I have to really like put my ego in check all the time because like I have my way of doing something, but then I bring in a professional for that very fucking reason. If I can't listen to them, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be like a massive problem. Mm -hmm. But if that person's a bullshitter, my ego will save me. Right. Like that, if that person is full of shit, my little ego knows because I deep down know I'm fucking right. Right. Like knowing that when to listen to that little ego, that's okay. You know, don't let an ego get you in a fight. I've never thrown a fight outside of a ring. I've never been in a, you know, situation ever like that. I've had big people step to me and I'm just like, cool, man, whatever. You know, I'm confident I beat them up, which is why I don't have an ego about it. You know, it's just like, I don't have to prove anything. Mm-hmm. So when you're a CEO, you don't got to prove shit either. I could just fire somebody, yeah. <laughs> but like that wouldn't solve anything. Cause I'd still have the problem that I have to solve for. Yeah. So you, you've been through a lot through your, during your life though. I would like to be, I would like to know. Have like, I done psychedelics? Uh, no, Tons. that's not, oh, a okay. question. that's not a question. <laughs> no, that's not a question because a lot of people are very self-aware of their ego and they never done it. Yeah. Um, I would, I'm just, there's always something that happens in your life that it's a click. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I got to keep this in check or, or I got to like be a little bit more self-aware of it. What happened to you that made you be more self-aware? Like was that one event or was it like a collection of events that well, made you be more aware of it? I mean, I mean like all bullshit aside, I'm a dangerous person, right? Like, like I've been trained to fucking hurt people, Right. So I've had to make sure I keep my ego in check. Like you can't allow the demon inside you to come out. And I've always been very aware of that. I mean, at the age of 14 is when my dad didn't touch me again. My dad was 6'3", 260 pounds, and he broke a watch over my face, punching me so hard. He took went for a third punch. I grabbed him by the throat, and I body slammed him into the ground and knocked him unconscious. Like that was just sheer energy and power of like what I could do at 14. And that wasn't even me like knowing anything. That was just me protecting myself and doing, putting everything I have inside me outside. Like that's a lot of chi. And I've always been very aware of that. And like, I'm like, ah, I know that I should walk away from shit because my ego knows that if I don't walk away from shit, it's going to be a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have a very long fuse. It's like almost like it doesn't exist because I'm just going to keep walking away. So, yeah. Awesome. That's the question. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. I'll kind of fill in a little fluff while she walks over here. I mean, it's, while you're walking over here, I've I've done psychedelics, too, you know, and it's like it's helped tremendously in certain ways. But ultimately, I always knew that if I would ever let like my ego, ego and anger win in any manner that everything I have would be gone right because I am just like there's a lot inside me you know you don't go through a life like I've had where your brother dies in your bedroom your dad beats you like all these types of things 
without having some bit of like a something inside you. There's a reason why I fought. Like, don't ever think that somebody that fights is a normal person. Like, they're not. Like, you don't walk into a ring knowing that you're going to beat somebody up and get beat up. That's not like, that's not like a totally normal thought process. Who here would enter that situation? Right? You guys are normal. Like, in the sense of like, like what you're willing to go through, you, you take a much better approach. I was like, oh, I'm just going to beat the shit out of somebody and get hit in the face. It'll feel great. You know, like, that's, that's literally how I thought. Um, that was like my cathartic therapy. What's happening? Hi. <laughs> well, you talked a lot about not wanting to waste time. And I'm one of those people that doesn't like to do anything that I don't feel is efficient. So I'm wondering, how do you balance what you love to do and your family with your business? And kind of how do you find that happy medium between the two? Yeah. Um, I wake up earlier, right? So I get a certain amount of work done before my kids are up. You know, like something like that. So I can get like a, I can knock an hour and a half of workout in the morning before I have to wake them. I could take that hour then and take a break. Um, I have just found a flow, but what I've it's been easier. It's easier to work than it is to be a family person, right? Like it really is. Like you meet any person that's worth millions of dollars. And I promise you, they don't watch their own kids, right? Because it's totally easier just to like dive into work. And what I have to do is I have to balance that. And if I balance that, then the other thing happens. It's like I cover the downside, the upside takes care, takes care of itself, right? So it's like when I go out to dinner, I don't bring my phone. When I go to the store, I don't bring my phone. Like if I'm ever in a moment that I'm getting in the car with my kids, my phone's is not coming with me. Right. Um, we go to restaurants all the time and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I just scan the thing. I'm like, I don't have my phone with me. Right. Um, Love that. Yeah. So it's kind of like knowing like my faults, like and that it could be so easy just to keep building this thing and, you know, keep pushing. But it's also better just to like be able to also turn it off. Like I purposely. I, 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 I think I do. Like subconsciously, I don't charge my cell phone on purpose. It's almost like when it dies, I'm like a little dance in my head, like fuck that phone, you know? And I'm like, I can't find a phone charger anywhere. And I went like this and that's, and that to me is like, right. It's like, I'm pretty sure I do it on purpose. You know, it's like, I, 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 where'd I put my laptop? And I'll think for a quarter second. I'm like, ah, fuck it. You know, it's like, it's Saturday. Like why, you know, and it's like, I almost like hid it for myself. It's like my brain knows to, to, <laughs> to protect myself for myself. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. If you, none of you guys have kids. I don't want to be a, I don't want to like be a cliche, but I'll tell you time does go by very fast. It really does. Like, remember this moment when I tell you this, when you have kids one day, I'm 40 years old. My dad died nine years ago, three months after my first daughter was born. I lost my brother 17 years ago to a drug overdose. When I think about how fast time has gone, so fast that I can't even remember 99% of it. Like, I can't. Like, I literally cannot remember so much of what's happened because it has gone so fast. Right? 
since 2016, I started on a TV show, did two Versace campaigns, moved to three different states, started a company that built it to three and a half, three and a half million dollars in revenue in three and a half years. I've raised $890,000 and I built a company. I've done 72 expos and events. I've had kids, I've bought a house, <laughs> sold part of my company. It's all just like, I've owned five cars in the last four years. Like I don't even know, remember like a car, like, like three of them ago. Like I can't remember what car I had, you know, and it just all goes so quick. So it's like, like enjoy it and, you know, do your fucking best. And when your best isn't good enough, it will be one day. Beautiful, man. Yeah. Adam, I, again, time is the, maybe that's the, the title of this episode, but seriously can't thank you enough for spending your time here with us. Uh, it's been very, very pleasurable, very insightful. I just want to acknowledge the way that you show up, the, the pure authenticity, the vulnerability, the pure just openness in your story and your journey. It's really admirable to see because you're inviting people into like, hey, look, like this is my life. It's not all butterflies and rainbows. It's hard work. And if you want to do it, go go for it. So where can those people listening in connect more with you, find more about Strong Coffee, all the things? Yeah, uh, Strong Coffee Company on all the social handles. Uh, if you want to follow, check out what I'm doing. It's Von Rothfelder. Uh, on social media. I really think that like our best, you know, the best thing that we have between me and strong coffee is our email. Mm. We have a really good email. It's like, I kind of drop my coachisms on my, our emails. We have what's called the weekly fix where I just like, you know, drop doses of motivation or just kind of thoughts. It's like the one outlet that I still have that I feel like is, you know, mine in a way that, mm -hmm. I can communicate with all of you, you know, everybody out there. So it's like, I can't know everybody and meet everybody, but damn, I wish I could. I've gotten an email for the past few months here and I will say top notch stuff, dude. Thanks, so man. It's Appreciate made it. the cut from the unsubscribe list of, of things. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Through, so. Yeah. We actually have like a, a plus rating. Like we, a lot of people move us to their primary inbox. So we have like a super high rating in our email structure, like in the company that does our emails that now puts us like in people's primary box and, I, you know, my goal is to continue to build that. And we have some cool stuff coming out with strong coffee. We have a, a big annual summit that we're going to do our first mm. one coming up here in April. And we're going to be doing it on a ranch with like 72 exotic, like African animals and glamping and, you know, all this, uh, like cut recovery and workouts for like three days. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, send me the link. Give me a blast, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm really excited. Awesome. Again, Adam, thanks for the time. Uh, thank you those for listening in. Share this with a friend, family member, teammate. Until next week, flow on. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Give the show a share with someone in your life as you continue to forge your way forward. And as always, until next week, flow on, my friends. <laughs>